Greetings and salutations. My name is Al Getz, and this is episode number three of Stats 101, a semi-regular podcast brought to you by the rogue wrestling historian behind Charting the Territories. This month on Stats 101, I will talk about my trip to the Arkansas State Archives in Little Rock. I went for two purposes— one to finish up getting house show ads from Pine Bluff, which was one regularly in the 70s, and also to see if the town of Texarkana was run regularly. We'll also talk a little bit about the modifications I made to the new frequent partners and frequent opponents metrics that I debuted last month. If you recall, on the July episode of this podcast, I mentioned that I had been sent a copy of a booking sheet that Leroy McGurk had mailed to Jack Pfeffer in 1968. The sheet listed all of the towns that were being run that week using McGurk talent, along with the lineups for each show. All of the towns on the booking sheet were towns that I had already researched, except for one. On that Friday, they not only ran Oklahoma City, but also had a show in Texarkana, Arkansas. This was a town I had not previously researched, so the possibility that I may have stumbled upon a new town, or at least one that the current wrestling historical record didn't know about, was exciting to a nerd like me. I went to my master's spreadsheet of McGurk shows, which includes not only all the shows I have personally researched, but also lists other shows that I found on sites like Wrestling Data, Cage Match, The Clawmasters Archives, Oklafan.com, and in the case of the Mid-South years, Mark James's Mid-South Results book. I found one listing for another show in Texarkana, which was held earlier in 1968, also on a Friday. Now, before I go any further, I do want to talk about the methods I use when doing research. The whole idea is to use the things that we know to help figure out what we don't know and attempt to narrow down the possibilities in the hopes of finding the things that we don't know. If you've seen the spreadsheets that I publish on my blog at chartingtheterritories.com and occasionally on Twitter, I maintain a calendar for every time period that lists all of the known house shows run in the territory. Additionally, when I list the talent roster and note their spot ratings, I also have a bookings per week metric where I calculate the average number of times each wrestler in the crew was advertised on all of the shows that I have records for. Using these two pieces of data together, I then estimate how complete the records are. We know, for example, that most territories ran every night of the week, Now, depending on the location and the time period, some took Sundays off at various points in time. Sometimes TV tapings were run in lieu of house shows one night a week or one night every other week. And sometimes TV tapings were run earlier in the day and uh, many of the wrestlers would then work a house show later that evening. We can look at the bookings per week for all the regulars in the territory and get a feel for what we might be missing. And then we can use the calendar to best guess exactly which nights of the week we're running, we are missing shows for. If we have records for three house shows a night for Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and two for Wednesdays, and only one for Fridays, we can guess that we're probably missing one on Wednesday, and we might be missing two on Friday. One of the things I had noticed in the 1960s and early 70s for the McGurk territory was that we were definitely missing at least one house show on pretty much every Friday. As I mentioned earlier, Oklahoma City was a regular Friday town for decades, but I generally didn't have any other records for Friday shows, at least not until 1968 when they started running a satellite crew in the lower half of Louisiana. So knowing that I was missing regular Friday shows 
And knowing that the two times Texarkana popped up on my research, it was run on a Friday, that led me to believe that Texarkana may have been a missing McGurk town run regularly on Fridays. Since I already needed to go to the Arkansas State Archives to finish researching Pine Bluff, I decided to check and see if the archives, which has microfilm of old newspapers for most, but not all, newspapers published in the state dating back to the 1800s, had microfilm for the Texarkana newspaper. The Arkansas State Archives, like most of the archives and libraries where I do research, has an online search tool so you can check and see what they have. Sure enough, they did have microfilm for the Texarkana Gazette, so I went ahead and planned a trip to Little Rock in early July. Now, since the two known shows held in Texarkana were both from 1968, I decided to start at the beginning of that year. As a general rule of thumb, the wrestling promotions would run ads in the paper the day of the show, sometimes the day before, and sometimes both. Additionally, they often ran ads on Sundays, since the Sunday paper generally had the highest readership. One of the things I found in my research is that if the shows are run later in the week, say Thursdays or Fridays, that it's little less likely they ran an ad in the Sunday paper, perhaps because the show was still several days away and they'd rather run the ads closer to the day of the actual show. So I checked the Thursday and Friday editions of the Texarkana Gazette for the month of January 1968 and found nothing. Perhaps I was overzealous and the town hadn't been run regularly. Maybe they just ran it a handful of times and it just so happened they ran it twice in 1968. So I decided to continue going forward and keep checking through February and see if anything turned up. And sure enough, the first week of February, I found an ad for a show on Friday, February 2nd. Breathing a sigh of relief, I was now fairly certain that it was indeed run regularly on Fridays. And sure enough, the following week, I found an ad for a show on February 9th, and so on and so forth. In fact, it was run almost every Friday for the rest of the year. Not giving up on January, I decided to go back to that roll of microfilm and check days earlier in the week. Maybe they ran the ads on Sundays. As it turns out, they did run the town in January, just not on Fridays. They ran it on Wednesdays. So, of course, that's why I couldn't find an ad in the Thursday or Friday editions. So I found ads for three shows uh, for January 3rd, 10th, and 17th. Then it appears they skipped a week uh, before moving to Fridays. Once I finished with 1968, my plan of attack was to continue to go forwards from 1969 on to see what I could find. Based on my records and the calendars I have constructed, I suspected that they stopped running Texarkana regularly at some point in the early 70s, probably around 72 or 73. Now, once I hit that stopping point where I no longer could find regular ads, I would go backwards, uh, starting with 1967, to see how far back they ran. And again, based on my records and my calendars, I thought it was very likely that they had been running all the way back to late 1959, which is the starting point of my research. So going to 1969 and moving forward, they continued to run Texarkana Weekly on Fridays for all of 1969 and 1970. The last show in 1970 was on December 18th. They then don't appear to have run the town for a few months, with the next show being on May 7th, 1971. They ran weekly for the rest of that year, uh, though in late October they switched to running Sundays instead of Fridays. That lasted through the end of the year, and in 1972, they went back to running Fridays. It appears they stopped running it weekly in November of 1972. I continued to check papers uh, for several months in 1973, and I found a couple of shows in June, but that was it. 
I went forward a little further, coming up empty, and then I spot-checked a couple of random months in later years, uh, and again, found nothing. Recall that I originally thought they were going to stop running the town in 72 or 73, and it turns out I was pretty much exactly right. So now it was time to work backwards, starting with 1967 and going back as far as I could. As I mentioned earlier, I was expecting to have to go all the way back to 1959. As it turns out, that was incorrect. The earliest show I could find for Texarkana was on October 5th, 1966. Indeed, an article a few days before that show indicated that this was going to be the first wrestling show held in Texarkana in a while. Now, of course, I'm not exactly sure how long a while is, so I did pick a couple of random months from years earlier in the decade and do some uh, spot checking, and I couldn't find anything. So it doesn't seem it was a weekly town in the first half of the 60s. And just to uh, clear things up, it was run on Wednesdays those first couple of years in late 66, 67, up through early 68. It was run on Wednesdays, and then it switched to Fridays where it stayed through most of the next several years, except for that brief period of time when it was run on Sundays. So all in all, I found 296 house shows run in Texarkana over about a six-year period of time, and only one of them could be found on any of the major results sources, sites, or books. So this was a great haul for someone like me who is trying to get as complete house show records for this territory as I can. As an interesting aside, I do want to mention another aspect of my research. In addition to using websites like Wrestling Data, Cage Mats, etc. to gather a list of towns that we know were run regularly, I also have done some research into the historical populations of various towns and cities in the states that Leroy McGurk ran. As a general rule of thumb, the weekly towns were also the most populous towns, which makes sense if you think about it. So the idea was to look at the populations of the towns we know were run weekly and then see if we could find any other towns in these states that were as big as those known towns. I've had a little bit of success using this method, uh, but Texarkana, however, was not on my radar as my research indicated it was probably too small to be run weekly. There is, however, a catch. My research into populations were for the primary states that McGurk ran over the years, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. But also keep in mind he ran a small portion of Missouri and also a small portion of Texas. Texarkana, as the name implies, lies on the border of Arkansas and Texas. In fact, it's technically a dual city with Texarkana, Arkansas, and Texarkana, Texas being two separate but contiguous cities, similar to Kansas City, which lies on the border of Missouri and Kansas, and there are two distinct but connected cities, Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas. Back to Texarkana, the Arkansas side has a smaller population than the Texas side. Texarkana, Arkansas's population in 1960 was just under 20,000, and as I mentioned previously, that was smaller than all the other weekly towns we knew of, so it didn't really make my list of possibilities. Texarkana, Texas's population was just over 30,000. Now add those two up, and their combined population is absolutely large enough to support a weekly wrestling show. I hadn't considered Texas towns in my research since McGurk only ran a small portion of that state. 
So that explains why Texarkana hadn't been on my radar before, but thanks to never giving up and always trying to find new leads and getting those documents uh, that came from Jack Pfeffer's correspondence, which had been forwarded to me by David Bixenspan, I was able to pursue this new lead and have it successfully pay off. The second topic I want to cover this month on Stats 101 is the new pair of statistics that I debuted last month, the frequent partners and frequent opponent scores. I made some slight tweaks to it starting this month, and now they're expressed as percentages. This way, it's a lot easier to compare the stats across different time periods and different territories, where we may have more complete or less complete records in various points in time and for various territories. Keep in mind, I still use a weighted rolling five-week period of time to calculate these statistics, which I do to have a large enough sample size to cut down on week-to-week variance. Additionally, these percentages are based on the number of bookings I have for each specific wrestler. So if we're looking at, for example, how often Junkyard Dog teamed with Bill Watts in 1980 when JYD was wrestling full-time pretty much every night of the week and Watts was only working part-time, usually two or three nights a week, the percentage is based on JYD's total number of bookings. So let's take a hypothetical example. Let's say in a five-week period, JYD had uh, 20 advertised appearances, and 10 of those times he teamed with Watts. But those were Watts' only bookings in that same period of time, just those 10 matches where he's teaming with JYD. The frequent partner score for JYD and Watts would be 50%, because of the 20 times Junkyard Dog was booked, 10 of those times he teamed with Watts. Now, while you technically could say that Watts teamed with JYD 100% of the time Watts was booked, since he was only booked 10 times and every one of those times he teamed with JYD, it doesn't seem right to me to have different scores for JYD teaming with Watts and Watts teaming with JYD. So I use the number of bookings for the wrestler with the most bookings of the two as the denominator. And the same thing goes for the frequent opponent score. The idea is to try and aggregate all of these house show records and come up with uh, what, you know, what would be like the most likely scenarios. If a random fan in a random town in the territory went to a random house show, what were they most likely going to see at any given point in time? And in this theoretical example, about half the time they would see Junkyard Dog teaming up with Bill Watts. Now, another thing to consider is that in the case of the frequent opponent score, it also takes into consideration where on the card the match happens. Just like I calculate the spot ratings for wrestlers, a match has the same spot rating. A main event match would have a spot rating of a 1.00. So if Junkyard Dog wrestled against Paul Orndorff 10 times in a five-week period in 1981, and all of those matches happened in the main event or the semi-main event, it would have a much higher score than if Buddy Landell wrestled Carl Fergie in prelim matches the same number of times over the same five-week period. So this really gives you a good idea of what the feuds were in the territory, the matches that are happening regularly in main events or just below the main events uh, from town to town. You also can get a feel for how long these feuds last by seeing how the frequent opponent's score changes from week to week. And in many cases, after one feud peaks and the frequent opponent score starts to decline, you'll see another frequent opponent score for the same wrestler with a different opponent start to rise. 
Earlier this month on the blog, I posted these scores for the third quarter of 1977, and you can clearly see Jerry Oates transitioning from feud to feud. He starts the quarter teaming up with Killer Carl Cox and feuding with the Medics. Then he's still feuding with the Medics, but his frequent partner changes from Cox to Mike George. You can literally see the frequent partner score for Oates and Cox going down at the same time the score for Oates and George goes up. And when that feud runs its course, you then see him begin a singles feud with Dick Murdoch. So following all of these feuds allows us to see what I call a wrestler's arc in the territory and the key points in his run where he feuds with certain opponents and or teams with certain other wrestlers. As always, if you have any questions about these wacky stats that I have developed or anything else I discuss on these podcasts, you can find me on Twitter at Al Getz Wrestling. That's Al G-E-T-Z Wrestling. And to be the first to know when new podcasts from Charting the Territories, including Stats 101, Wrestling History Mysteries, and the monthly Charting the Territories podcast are available, subscribe now wherever you find your favorite podcasts and at chartingthepodcast.com. Stats 101 is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network.